This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay, and I'm so grateful you are here today. Excited to hopefully see many of you in Boston this weekend. I will be at the Marriott in Cambridge doing a live panel with Destination Marathons. Make sure you are following me, uh, LindsayHine626 on Instagram to get more information. I'll keep you updated over there on what's going on over the weekend. Today, my guest is making her debut in Boston. I'm so excited to welcome Erica Kemp back to the podcast. Erica was first on the show, episode 298, January of 2021. At that time, she was training for the Olympic Standard with the BAA, and she's recently announced that she is sponsored by Brooks now. Now, Erica is queen of the roads. She won the USA 20K Champs in 2021. She won the USA 15K Champs in 2019, and she placed second in the USA 5K Champs in 2018 and 2022, and second in the 25K Champs in 2021. I am so pumped to see what she does in Boston. This is like a hometown race for her. She's lived in the Boston area for a long time. She is now being coached by Kurt Benninger, who is Molly Huddle's husband. That was fun to hear about how that all came about. I am pumped to see what you do this weekend, Erica. You all make sure you are following her. I am Tiny Rick. I am T-I-N-Y-R-I-K on Instagram. And get her in your tracker for the Boston Marathon this weekend. Okay. I am so excited to be in Boston for Marathon Weekend. Best of luck to everybody who is running, and I hope to see many of you there. I wanted to let you all know that I will be hosting a panel with Destination Marathons in Cambridge. Sounds far, it's not far. It's literally two miles from Copley Square. And on that panel, I'll be joined by Wesley Career, Steph Bruce, Molly Huddle, and Dakota Lindworm. It is gonna be such an awesome event and it'll be about an hour on the panel and then a social hour afterwards as well. So it's at 4 p.m. on Saturday at the Marriott in Cambridge. And if you want to learn more, make sure you're following me on Instagram, lindsayhine626, because I'll be posting more details there. Um, You can also join our Facebook group. I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Hine, and all the details will be posted there as well. So save the date, mark your calendar, 4 p.m. on Saturday. I know there's a lot going on that weekend, but we would love to have you there. Steph, Bruce, and Molly Huddle will both have their books as well on site if you'd like to purchase one. Um, All right, friends, I hope to see you in Boston. All right. Welcome back to the podcast, Erica Kemp. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a while since we last talked and a lot has changed in your life. Congratulations on signing with Brooks. How does that feel? Are you so excited? 
It feels great. I mean, it's always a great feeling to be sponsored, you know, you feel super lucky. Um, but I'm very excited to work with Yeah, Brooks. Can you walk us through that process a little bit, like choosing your sponsor and um, leaving the BAA? I'm sure that was a big deal for you. You'd been with them for quite a while. Yeah, so I'd been with them for about four years. Um, and my contract expired at the end of 2022. So it was kind of like a long thought out process of deciding whether or not to renew. And it just like all signs were kind of pointing to just like try something new and just like refresh my life a little bit. So we decided not to renew. And then the next couple months were kind of spent, you know, talking to different people and signing is always like just such a funny process because you really don't have a great idea of like what's going to happen because the stars basically have to align. Like the brand needs to be looking for people who want to do what you want to do. So like all of these things need to fall into place at the right time with the right people. So Brooks kind of happened to be that person for me where the type of athlete and type of person they were looking for happened to be me. So the stars aligned in that case. So you said like, the brand has to be looking for the type of person and the the person probably like competing the distances that they're looking to hit and all that. Like, what did that mean to you? Like, we know you're debuting Boston, which by the way, we're going to talk about that a lot in this episode. But um, like, what did that look like to you when you presented like what you want to be and look like as an athlete? Yeah, I think that kind of made it a little difficult for me just because now I'm in this when in that process of, you know, going to different brands, it's like, okay, now we're saying she's primarily going to be a marathoner, even though I have not run a single marathon yet. When like, my agent was like pitching me to people, it's like, oh, she's going to be a really great marathoner. But that one's a little harder to back up since I have no, you know, I have a good resume, but I have nothing on my marathon resume right now. And the brand needed to be looking for a marathoner in that space where like some brands were really focusing on maybe like 5k 10k on the track and even though those are events I'm good at and like do sometimes that's not necessarily what I'm focusing on so that definitely changed it up a little totally. bit totally yeah what made you decide like hey it's time for the marathon yeah so i think it was a very organic decision it wasn't like a spur of the moment, I just woke up one day and wanted to try the marathon. It was definitely something that's been like a slow burn for a few years. And with the 2024 Olympic trials coming up, I'm kind of running out of time Uh to try one. And trying one in the fall seemed a little riskier than doing one in the spring, because now I have a ton of time to recover before the trials. And that kind of just led me to spring 23. And it's like, I've been in Boston for almost five years. How could I do anything else in the spring? Uh, I want to mention to listeners, if you haven't listened to my first episode with Erica, we will link it in the show notes because I just went like, oh, we're hopping ahead to like right now. And we've done the full story (laughs) of like when she became like joined the BAA and all that. So if you want to catch up before this, make sure you go listen to that. I'll link it in the show notes. But yeah, we're talking about present time now. And yeah, I wonder about that, like living in Boston for so long, Like, you have to choose the Boston Marathon. Tell me about your experiences in Boston in the past marathon weekend. Yeah, so in the past, I've 
had, you know, finish line passes. So you're like in the grandstands, like sobbing with all the rest of the fans for thousands of strangers who you don't know, but they're crying. (laughs) So you're crying. And it just seems like such an incredible event. Um, So I'm really excited to be on the other side of that, probably still (laughs) crying, but like actually crossing the finish line this time. And last year with the BA, I had the opportunity to host their fan fest, which was the few days leading up to the marathon. We got to do a lot of really cool interviews with some of the international pros, the US pros. And last April, especially, we got to speak to some of the women from the first official women's field on their 50th anniversary of that first official field. So that was a really special experience. And I've gotten a chat with Ambie Burfa, Bill Rogers, obviously Meb several times. So getting to talk to all the Boston legends in the past definitely makes you even more excited to do Yeah, it. I saw a picture on your Instagram. You were like on a panel with Meb or something. It's like both of you and shares. What was that about? Where was that at? Mm-hmm. That was at the Fan Fest. I don't remember if that picture was from October, April. Um, but yeah, it was like our 30-minute segment with Meb in front of all of the um, like people in town for the marathon. So I would say of the like random crowds walking through Copley, it was probably 50-50 people actually running and then like their support crew. Oh, that's crew. so awesome. Okay, so was there anything in particular that you remember – that these people said, like Meb or one of the first women that you mentioned, Bill Rogers, that you are going to take with you to the race? Something that I'm not going to think about during the race, but that I thought was a very funny common theme from like Meb and Bill Rogers and other Boston champions was that when they spoke about their very first marathon experience, every single one of them said they never wanted to run it again. (laughs) And Obviously, all of them went on to run several more and do super well and everything. But I thought that was a very funny, common experience that all of these champions had. So I'm I'm expecting to feel like that a little bit. I'm hoping I don't. But I know that like if I finish and I never want to run one again, like that feeling will pass. (laughs) Yeah. How are you mentally preparing for the... I feel like torture is a hard, harsh word to say, but the torture of the last like four or five miles of that distance that you haven't raced yet. Yeah, I I mean, torture is not like too far off, um, maybe more of just like a really unpleasant grind, but I'm hoping that having lived in Boston the last four or five miles are the miles that I know the best. It's where I know the most landmarks, where I anticipate knowing the most people. So I'm hoping that by the time I get there, like I'll probably be physically exhausted, but emotionally there should be enough going on that day that it'll carry me to yeah, the are you? Do you work with a sports psychologist? I can't remember if we talked about that the first time. I have in the past. I haven't like recently. So what do you do to work on your mental game just in general? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I've been alone for a majority of this buildup because part of it, I was like still sorting out what my next moves were. And then even when I figured those out, now my coach and training partners aren't like in town. So I think it's been really tough, but also like, a very good challenge for the marathon because it looks like people end up ideally you never end up alone but like it's just kind of one of those things where you might spend 10 miles by yourself so I've definitely had a lot of practice of you know being very uncomfortable and 
it not being the best day out and being on your own and just like not giving Okay, up. let's talk about your coaching situation. Exciting. You're working with Molly Huddle's husband, right, Kurt? Mm-hmm. How did that come about? Yes. So that was, um, Kurt's obviously in New England. Um, and a lot of people I know have said very, very good things about him. So once I figured out kind of what I was going to do next and Brooks gave me the opportunity to kind of choose wherever I wanted to live and who I wanted to work with. And I know I'm very happy in New England in this area. I'm from New Jersey, so this is a little further north, but still it kind of feels like home. So both my coach and Molly herself um, recommended Kurt. So, you know, those are some pretty high recommendations. So we had a few chats and it just felt like a very good fit personality wise. And yeah, I'm really excited to get to work with you. You mentioned you're doing a lot of your training like alone in Boston. What's the distance? Like, is it like two hours to get to them if you want to do some training runs with the team? It's really not bad. So if you were to drive it, it would be just about an hour, just under, just it depends on traffic and the train rides probably like 40, 45 minutes. So it's like a very easy commute if I wanted to get down there for and a workout. So how much training have you done with Marielle? I saw that you were training with her a little bit. Yeah. So that was actually our first official workout together. So that was yeah, super exciting. And does, is she living closer there? Yeah, so Marielle's lived in Providence for probably okay. just over a year, maybe like okay. a year and a half. And she said she's having a good time there. So I was really excited to, you know, I'm excited to get down there like full Okay, time. so is that happening? Yeah, after Boston, I'll move down to Providence Really? Full time. Okay, how are you feeling about that? I'm really excited. Um, at first, it was a little scary because, you know, moving is always scary, but then – it's really yeah. not that far. Like I said, it's like less than an hour drive and a 40-minute train ride. So it's kind of just like moving neighborhoods. Like you're really not going too far. But it's kind of just far enough to get that like excited new city and feel. And like what is that like for you to be able to – I assume you'll be training a little bit there with Molly Huddle, Emily Sisson. How does that feel? Yeah, I don't know how much we'll see. Emily definitely spends a lot more time in Arizona, um, but it'll be really cool. I mean, they're all some of the greats. They're all Olympians, so I don't really think you could ask for more as far as, like, great people to learn from and to spend time around. So I'm really yeah, looking forward so to cool. that. that's so cool. Okay, so Houston, you had a great race, uh, a personal best time there. Talk about that race a little bit and, and how you felt coming off of it. Yeah, going into Houston, I was hoping for PR and I knew that I should have been in shape enough to run one. But at the same time, that was during like a very kind of like tumultuous time for me personally, just because it was in the middle of me trying to make all these decisions and figure out what's happening in my life. So I was super happy to see it kind of come together on race day and still be able to have such a good performance. And I think that just gave me the momentum I needed to really dive into that marathon build because it was like, it's scary to like do a new event, especially something so different. But that was a very good starting point where it's like, okay, like we're like sort of in shape enough or at least like in a good place to build Yeah, and I heard that you coached yourself to that race. Yeah, I spent a few weeks (laughs) on my own. (laughs) Um, 
And like the goal was, you know, to stay in shape and just give myself a good chance. And I think I did a How'd great job. How did you organize job. that? Like, like your plan? Did you have it like all written out or were you just taking it day by day? I would say I would have loved to have taken it day by day. But since I didn't have like an actual coach, I was like, I needed to see it as a week. So I kind of went week to week on what I just thought I needed. I felt like I was missing some kind of like longer workouts that I hadn't really had in the couple months leading up. So just kind of working those back in and just making sure I was pretty diligent about my strength training and just getting my miles in like all the basics. So by really like just focusing on the basics and making sure I did something at half marathon pace, I assumed yeah, I'd be and okay. Did you run like around the time that you expected to run? Yeah, I think like if I were to look back at like the type of work I was doing and what I expected to run, it was like 70, right on par. 14, right? 522 yep. pace. <laughs> now, how yeah. are you feeling about the course in Boston? I'm feeling better about it as the weeks go on. Um, everyone always builds it up. They always talk about Boston and the hills and like the second half, but then people or a lot of like the pros that I've talked to always talk about the first half as opposed to like, yes, the Newton Hills are like iconic and they're pretty steep and you have Heartbreak Hill, but the first half and all of that downhill is kind of what people seem to notice the most. And I think after having run it a couple of times, that's definitely what makes the Newton Hills so bad because by themselves, they're really not too bad. But coming off of that, like the first 12 and a half miles of like downhill, you feel pretty totally. bad going into So that. are you like, I read in your Runner's World article, by the way, that you got lost on the course. <laughs> I would do the same thing. Like, no, yeah, like out there yeah. by all by yourself. Tell us about that experience. Yeah, so on paper, it does look like a very straight shot, but in practice, <laughs> it is not. Those streets are several lanes across, and it does matter what side of the street you're on, and I was on the wrong one. But the best part about telling that story in the Runner's World article was the DMs I got from other people who made the same <laughs> mistake. Because I did it and felt so dumb. And I was like, there's no way anyone in their right mind would like just casually run on Route 9 uh -huh. and like think it's okay. Um, but then all these people like DM me and they were like, I made the same mistake. And I was like, okay, like, it's not just me. So I found my people. <laughs> were these pros that were DMing you? Uh, they were not, <laughs> but no, it, it doesn't, doesn't matter. I was just curious. What did Kurt, what did yeah, Kurt say? No. Um, Kurt was fine with it. Um, he was like, next time definitely run on the actual course because like that was the purpose of doing this. <laughs> but at the same time, he was like, you got in your effort and you got in the volume. So like, it's fine. Okay, this is kind of like a technical, maybe boring question to the masses, but like, were, are you thinking about like tangents already? I never talk about this, but I, I am thinking about it now that you're talking about like what side of the road you were on. Yeah, I never think too hard about tangents. Um, there's definitely people who run them way better. I think because like I have a pretty bad like geographical memory. Like I can look at a course map for hours and I'm not going to remember a single thing. So tangents, if you know the course, are really great. Like if you know if you're coming up to a right or a left and you run that diagonal, I'm sure it saves you a few seconds and that's amazing. But 
I don't think too hard about it, mostly because I just don't know where I'm going. So I'm usually a middle of the road person because it's like splitting the difference. Like I'm not running the longest route, but I'm probably not taking the I mean, obviously in any race you're running, there's going to be like a lead vehicle and whatnot. (laughs) But like... Like yeah. I just thinking about like, you know how they say like, oh, if you're, if you're fast enough to win a race, like you need to know the course, but I guess you don't, you don't really have to worry about right. that. Right. Yeah. I haven't run into that yet. Um, I mean, maybe someday I will be so good that I will be like out <laughs> running the lead vehicle. And at that point you do need to know the course just in case someone makes a mistake in front of you. Um, but as of right now, I'm just trying to there chase down the leaders. So as long as they go the right way, but I'll you, be okay. You have proven yourself time and time again on these road championships. I mean, this is kind of your thing. So it's exciting to see you doing the marathon. You you would say you prefer roads over track? I would say so at this point. I think, I mean, obviously I found a lot of success there. I really enjoy doing these events. And I think they're just a little easier on your body in general. There's just something about like the really high intensity stuff on the track where just like your body just like hurts and it's like it hurts in like places or like things that feel like they might actually turn into injuries where like on the roads like you might run a hilly course and be a little sore for a few days but your body doesn't feel like it's like shredding itself from the inside how are you feeling about like the the volume shift and how how big has that volume shift been for you it was definitely a little bit of an adjustment but because it was my first one and we really didn't like do anything crazy like and I had previously done around like 80 or so so we pushed that up to like 90 but kind of as long as we got like the long runs in there doesn't really need to be a whole lot more than that so I'm not doing like 120 130 because like that would actually be insane coming from like where I was Um, so that adjustment was, it went pretty well. Like, obviously I didn't get injured, which is like the number one thing. Um, but there were definitely some weeks where I was super tired and just like, I was so tired. I almost like couldn't Mm. sleep. I was like Mm -hmm. too tired to sleep and I was so hungry all the time. Um, so that was definitely like an adjustment, but I think we're past that part of it. Yeah. I I read that you like were getting up and eating bowls of cereal in the middle of the night. (laughs) Yeah, which, like, it made sense that, like, I probably should have been doing more during the day, but, like, there's only so much time. Well, the bowl of cereal thing makes a lot of sense. I I remember talking to a dietitian when – I think it was Maddie Alb, and I was like, what do you suggest for, like, your Mm -hmm. evening snack if you're, like, really increasing volume and you need some food before bed? And she said – I think she said cereal. It's like – yeah. I mean, it was super quick, super easy, and, like, I didn't wake up hungry It reminded me of um, not being so hungry from running 90 miles a week like you or 80 miles a week, but, um, like, when I would have, like, little babies and breastfeeding, I'd be, like, so hungry in the middle of the night. I'd just be, like, stuffing my face with whatever was easy to grab. That's what it reminded me of. Yeah. Need those calories. Definitely. (laughs) A quick break. To let you know about Prevenex, this is where I get all of my vitamins and supplements, and they are clinically effective, proven to help with longevity, performance, and everyday health. They have a wonderful protein powder, their Nurify Plus, chocolate and vanilla. We use it every day in my house. I use it. My kids use it. We make smoothies with it. It is delicious, and it is packed with nutrients. 
I take their multivitamins and their Joint Health Plus supplement every day. If you have achy joints and you're looking to protect your joints, go check it out. They have a money back guarantee. If you do not see a difference in 90 days, you will get your money back. They believe in their products. I believe in their products. They also have vitamins for your kids that my kids take and they have a give back model. So they donate a bottle of children's vitamins to malnourished kids around the world for every purchase that you make. So it's just a great company with high quality ingredients that work. Go to Prevenex.com, use the code ANOTHER for 15% off your first order. And when you support a sponsor of this podcast, you are also supporting this podcast and the work that I do and the people that work behind the show. So for that, I thank you. And you'll get really good products as well. So that's Prevenex.com. Use the code ANOTHER to get 15% off your order. All right, back to the show. So um, what are you like most excited about, most nervous about? Like what are, what are all the feelings going into this race, the Boston Marathon? Yeah, I think most nervous is super easy because it's like the entire thing. Mm. <laughs> it just feels like there's so much room for error in the marathon because it's so long and it's so big. It's like you could literally wear the wrong thing. You could mm. tie your shoes incorrectly. You could mess up your fueling. Like there's just so many things that could potentially go wrong that, I mean, it almost kind of helps with the nerves because so many things could go wrong. There's not enough to like focus on to get super freaked out about it. Uh-huh. Um, excited. I'm excited to just like do it because I feel like I've been like talking about the marathon or thinking about the marathon or other people have been talking about me doing a marathon for so long that it'll be really nice to just actually get to do it instead of like speculating like, oh, what do you think you could run or how do you think you'll do? Like, I have no idea, but I'm super excited to find out. Yeah, you know, the marathon, I talk about this a lot. Like, it's just like such a glamorized distance. Like everybody, you know, the marathon, the marathon. And anytime you have a successful 5K, 10K runner like yourself, I think everybody's always like, I wonder if, I wonder mm -hmm. when they're going to go up. Did you feel that pressure? Kind of, because yeah. it's just like, I feel like the better you do at like 5K, 10K, and then especially if you run like a good half, mm. they, it just kind of builds like, oh, like you'll be great at the marathon. And it's like, I mean, I hope to. Yeah. And like, I'm super confident I could be. But at the same time, like the marathon's a big event. And I feel like it can't be like overstated, like how challenging the event itself is. Um, but yeah, you just have to like, do it and then find out. Do you find comfort in like the other people that are enduring it with you? Like, you know, you're, I mean, gosh, the start list for Boston is pretty crazy. Like, will you find comfort <laughs> yeah. in knowing you're in it together? Um, I feel like I would probably say yes, if it was a different field. But <laughs> like you said, they assembled like the Avengers of women's <laughs> distance running. So, like, it will be really cool to – it's always super cool when you get to line up against, like, some of the best in the world. But when they invite every single one of them to be <laughs> on the start line, it does get a little intimidating. 
But it also like is a really cool opportunity because you don't know how the race is going to shake out. So it's a very like mixed feelings kind of thing because you never know who you're going to end up running next to. It's so true. And it's so true. You never know who's going to do what. I mean, you can't count anybody out in the marathon. You don't know who's going to do what. Right. Um, What was I going to say about that? Oh, I love what you said, the Avengers of women's (laughs) marathoning. That's so, so good. Oh, I know what I was going to say. So, right, like you talked about the trials coming up, the 2024 trials, and it was kind of like, okay, you don't want to like risk it and wait till the fall. So I think that's one of the reasons why these spring marathons are so stacked, though, because I wonder how many athletes will actually also do a fall marathon. Yeah, I can definitely see a lot of the more like, seasoned vets doing a fall marathon just because they know their bodies a lot better and like they can recover a lot quicker but I think having never done one I have no idea if it's going to take two weeks or two months for Mm -hmm. me to like feel normal after it'd be great if it was like two weeks and I could just get back to training but at the same time we really don't want to rush it so I think doing a spring one and just giving myself as much time as possible to figure it out was probably the smart move uh, another dorky runner question. What, what's up with like the Brooks super shoe and everything? Like, are you feeling good about it? How, how's that working for you? So far, so good. I mean, it fits really well. I feel really confident in it. So no complaints there. I mean, that's one of the things that like the old time marathoners, I say old time, but I'm talking like Molly Huddle, like people that have been <laughs> doing it long enough that they've done marathons pre super shoes and everything. I mean, a lot of people, they just talk about that recovery. Like it was, I think it was Kara Goucher saying like how much better you can recover from running in shoes like that. So maybe, maybe it'll be shorter than you think. That would be ideal. (laughs) So, um, in the, uh, fall, you raced the 5k championships and did super well, I got to see you race, which was really cool for me. Is that one of your favorite courses? Oh, that's by far probably my favorite road race. It's just so fun. It's like such a good time of year that because it's such a weird time of year, you don't need to be in like peak fitness for it. But like if you're in relatively good shape, you can have a great day there. Um, And it's also New York Marathon weekend. So like the city itself that weekend is so exciting and there's so many runners Um, So it's definitely one of my favorite things to do. Okay. I know this was like so long ago and it's kind of boring to bring up, but like y'all went out so fast in that race. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing felt very hard. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it was like crazy to see what what you guys were doing, but yeah, that was awesome. So talk to me a little bit about like what you learned from the BAA group and like what you will take with you through the rest of your career from your time there? Yeah, I mean, it was it was the only place I had been between college and now. It was like the first part of my like post-collegiate running journey. So I definitely learned a lot. Um, for the most part, I only had one really small injury that took me out for maybe a week in the total four years I was there. Wow. So I think I learned a lot about, you know, just taking care of myself and like how to structure my days without, you know, school and like very regimented, like facilities and practices and everything. Um, I definitely learned a lot about, you know, just what I what I'm capable of, because, 
you know, I was on a team that was able to push me to, you know, new heights, and I found a lot of success there. So it definitely opened up my mind as to what I could do. Because when I came out of college, I thought I could do well, but I wasn't sure how far I would go or how long I would run. And during my time with the VA, I definitely saw that, like, those horizons are very, very broad, and, like, I could do a lot. Um, so that's probably what I'm taking with me going forward. What, like, what was it that gave you that view? Like, was it like, oh, winning a national championship on the roads or like, what were the things that happened that made you realize like, oh, this is like, not just like some short term thing where I'm going to go be pro for a couple years out of school and then move on with my life. Yeah, I think it was part partially the fact that I just continued to get better every year. Um, And another part of that was that we had several coaching changes. And despite the coaching changes, I continued to improve every Mm -hmm. single year and like continued to find success. So I feel like that showed me that like, no matter what comes next, as long as I like stick to it and keep training and like stay on this path, like I will continue to reach new heights. I love that. Was that scary though? Like intimidating when you would keep having new coach changes? I wouldn't say it was too scary just because um, there's not a whole lot you can do about it. I mean, like coaches leave for one reason or another, whether they like find a new position or like things happen. But at the end of the day, like it's running. So like there's only so much you can do and only so much you can control. So I was never like scared by it. Yeah. Well, you mentioned you're happy where you are, like you're happy in the New England area. So how important was it for you to align with a sponsor that was going to be like, hey, like stay there, live wherever you want? Yeah, I think the flexibility in general was super appealing to me. My boyfriend is currently stationed in Germany. So that's pretty far away. We're on technically we're on a five hour difference right now until his daylight savings when we go back to a six hour difference. So I really wanted to stay on the East Coast because Mm -hmm. that's the easiest you know, set up for us to be able to talk. And even on the chances that I do get to visit, like it's just way easier to go East Coast to Europe than anywhere else. Um, And he gets to come back in like a year and a half, two years, like January, February, 2025. And like, who knows well where he'll be. But I just really wanted to keep that flexibility so I could, you know, like have the rest of my life too, instead of being like tied down to one city for a long time. Um, wow. That's a long time that he's stationed over there. What part of the military is he in? Uh, he's in the army. Oh, okay. So is army, that's not West Point, is it? Did he? It is. Oh, did he go to West Point? He didn't. He went oh. to Clemson. Oh, Clemson. Okay. How'd you guys meet? We actually met back in high school. We were, we met like freshman year. We had the same Spanish class. And you've been together ever since? No, we did take a long, long break. Um, So we dated in like high school in like the first like half of college. And then we didn't speak for like six years. Wow. I need to know more. Like, when, when you, you know what I mean? Like, that's a really long time. And you probably think that part of your life is just over. That's wild. Yeah, it was like, it was really weird. Um, because we were always very, very good friends. Like we always got along super well. And it's not like we split in college because we were like fighting a lot and like didn't get along. It was, you know, we just, we were young. So we just like went our separate ways. Um, 
And yeah, like literally zero contact for six years, like dated other people, lived our lives, like, you know, started our adult lives after college and then like randomly found our way back. How did you find your way back? Like social media or like, did you run into each other at a bar? No. (laughs) So there apparent, the more we talk about it, there were a couple times during that period we didn't speak where like we happened to be in the same city and still never ran into each other and since we like weren't talking we never like hit each other up or anything yeah and like I think it's crazier we didn't bump into each other sooner but it was a sort of a social media thing like out of the like I had just seen a um like a TikTok video of some paratroopers and he's a paratrooper oh cool so I was I just sent it to him I didn't even know if he had the same phone number but out of the blue I just sent him this TikTok and was like is this what you do when you say you're like jumping out of things? And that was like the first thing I'd said to him in six years. Wow. And we just, you know, it just felt like we picked right back up where we left off. It was the weirdest thing. Do you know like how much he was like following along with your career? Like, oh my gosh, she made it. Like she's, (laughs) she's running pro, like she's living her dream. Did he know those things? Yeah, he definitely like was still aware. He wasn't like, He's not big on social media, like literally, like he'll log on to Instagram maybe like once a week and like checks his Facebook maybe once every six months. Um, But just like talking about like, you know, like they like races I've done in the last few years when we weren't speaking or like weren't together. He's like, oh, like, I think I saw that. So like he would definitely still like keep up, but not like hardcore. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so cool, though. That's like it's like two lives. And I think it's cool that you had the experience to be able to like become like your adult self. Yeah. Apart. Yes. That's like a that definitely like makes me feel really confident about it versus like we were young and we'd like been together for so long. And then we like grew up and like made all these like, you know, adult decisions. But Uh like as our own, like independent people. So, like, yeah, it definitely, like, feels good. It's a very transformative period of your life. Like, that, you know, from, like, 22 to 24 or whatever it is. Yeah. Like, when you, once you graduate college and you're figuring out, like, who am I? What am I doing with my life? Right. So, when we first talked, um, I still lived in Indianapolis. And I live in Raleigh now. So... Oh! Yeah. The happiest place on earth. Yeah. Like, you... You know, when I talked to you originally about going to NC State and all that, like I was like not connected at all. And I'm not connected now, but I'm following the Wolfpack. You know what I mean? Like my kids are wearing Wolfpack T-shirts now. And um, since I've interviewed Lori Hennis and um, she's incredible. But when I first talked to you, like I didn't know anything about her or her program. So now I'm like, wow, you really got to run at one yeah. of the most awesome programs in the country. Yes. I feel very, very fortunate. Yeah. How fun has it been for you to follow her success and the team's success over these last couple of years? Oh, it's so fun. Um, and it's super cool just having been like in the program and kind of see it take this most recent rise. Like my freshman year, we didn't even qualify for NCAAs as a cross-country team. Which was, like, that was a low point, like, because we, like, broke, like, a however many year streak. Like, NC State still holds the record for most appearances, but that year we were not contributing Mm -hmm. to that record. But by the time I graduated my last cross-country season with them, we finished fourth. 
Wow. And just the talent that they were bringing in, like Lori really coming into her own as like this incredible powerhouse of like a head coach and now like director, like you knew they were going to do some really, really big things in the near future. What do you think makes her such a good coach? I think part of it is just she's, I mean, number one is that like she just cares like a lot and like, yes, a lot of coaches care, but I think she has a really good job like actually like showing it and like communicating it. Like you feel valued as a person and an athlete and she's like very invested in your long-term success. Like there was never a moment or like a season where it felt like she wanted you to do this race or like, you know, like sacrifice something in you know like just for this moment it was like everything was for like you know the greater good like for the team or like for you personally it was always for your long-term success like I think you can be really good and I want you to like be healthy and get better every year and like continue running so it always just like it was just an environment where you felt very safe and like they were making the best decisions for you and the team so you could just like yield that control and just kind of like go with the plan. That's so awesome. Yeah. I, I was talking to somebody about this and like, if it would be cool if there were some sort of study done where you could like look at college programs and then follow up with athletes like five or 10 years down the road and see like who's still running and maybe not necessarily professionally like you, but like who still loves to run mm-hmm. and how good of an indicator that could be that like that coach instilled that part of of running into the program like obviously teams want to win coaches want to win but you have to be like you mentioned with where you're living like you have to be happy and you have to love to run yeah it's definitely huge on like and like Raleigh is super easy because Raleigh itself is just like a really cool place to be so that definitely like contributes to part of it but yeah like even if you like there was I want to say it was like 2016 I'd had a really great fall really great indoor season had a bit of an injury at the end of that so we took some time and I personally just really wanted to get back out there so once I was like cleared to run we like started building up and I was probably like just a hair shy of where I wanted to be before ACC's which were like in May um but I hadn't raced yet that season so I was like Lori, please just, like, give me a wild card. Like, I promise, like, I'll make this final. Like, I'll score some points. Just, like, let me run this. And she was like, you you have a red shirt. Like, you don't need to do this. Like, relax. Like, go back to the weight room. Like, figure, you know what I mean? Like, you're 90%, but, like, you don't need to risk it. And, like, rush back to racing if you don't. Uh... Like, it just wasn't worth it. And I was like, ah. Like, you're probably right, but, like, at the time, like, I wanted to run, and she was like, this doesn't make that much sense for you. Instilling that patience in you as yeah. a young, <laughs> yeah, young athlete. Um, I don't know if you realize it, or maybe you are, but, like, that probably is helping you to this day. Like, even going into the Boston Marathon, like, yes, you want to crush it, but, like, this is a long game. Yes. No, for sure. It's definitely like, because you get really excited. Like when you have a handful of good workouts, like back to back, you start like trying to crush everything. And it's like, that is not the main goal. Like we have something further along that like, that's the long term thing you need to be ready for. So it definitely like, you know, keeps you a little tame. (laughs) 
Um, tell me your favorite thing about Raleigh. We're like sort of new here still. We've been, we're about two years now. Oh, um, one of my favorite things about Raleigh is like, I think it's changed a little bit for the better, but downtown, they always do like first Fridays. Mm. So they like close down a couple of blocks downtown and they just have a ton of like little, like local artists and street vendors. And it's just like the cutest little block party every single month. I mean, why have I never done that? Yeah, they're so fun. They have, like, things for everything. Like, it's not something that's, like, oh, it's, like, all drinking or something. Mm -hmm. Like, it really is, like, just a really cool, like, family-friendly environment and just, like, a great way to, like, spend an evening outside and just, like, get exposed to, like, what's around because they're all local vendors. So you're, Mm -hmm. like, oh, like, you can buy these, like, cute earrings from this, like, random shop you, like, didn't know about, but, like, they have a booth at First Friday um, so one of those are really cool. And did you spend a lot of time running on the ATT at Umstead? Both. Yeah. <laughs> Which one, What's your favorite? Which one do you like better? Um, They're tough because they're so different. I would probably say Umstead just okay. because it's so beautiful. And there's really, there are other forests you can run in like around the country, but that is by far like my favorite where really? like almost all rail trails look like the same. They're great, but, like, they're very similar. I love that. That makes me feel so, like, yay. That's right where I live, and that's, like, your favorite. Oh, Umstead's the best. Oh, that's It'll so- also, like, make you fit. Even if you have a bad run at Umstead, it's so hilly that you're like, I got better today. <laughs> it is so hilly here. It is insane. It is just, mm-hmm. like, oh, my gosh. Sucking air in every run. Yeah. Um. Okay. Last thing we'll talk about here is the trials a little bit. Um, Tell me your thoughts on it being in Orlando. And I mean, we talked about the field in Boston, (laughs) you know, the field at the trials, like all, all of Avengers, like you said, like it's all, all the crazy, fast, talented, awesome athletes like yourself. So how do you feel about all that? It's super exciting. Um, I think the best part about being in Orlando is probably just the post-trials, you know, spend a few days in Orlando, because I haven't been down there for fun since, like, my senior trip in high school. So I'm looking forward to spending some time in Epcot after the race. Nice. Um, But yeah, like you said, the field's going to be insane, and it's going to be, like, such an interesting race, because this past year, on the day that you know, like a year out from the trials, it was like 70 degrees. Mm -hmm. So it might be like the 20, was it the 2012 or the 2016 trials that were in LA where it was like crazy hot and like, yeah, just like threw so many people for a loop. Um, So I think Orlando is going to be kind of a Mm curveball because it could be 50 and perfect or it could be a swamp. So we shall find out. You're so right about that because those conditions, it's like, then it kind of makes it anybody's, anybody's game to win. Yeah. Like if it's a perfect day and it's like, I have no idea what the course is like, but it definitely changes it a little bit because I feel like when it's perfect, it turns into a bit more of a time trial, which is like fair because it's like honest, but that doesn't guarantee that like, you know what I mean? Like. Paris is going to be hot and humid, so maybe a hot and humid day is not the worst thing. Yeah. Um, I love that you are, like, already thinking about Epcot, though. Do you – Yeah. (laughs) Are you a Disney person? Yes. 
Yeah. Um, as soon as they said Orlando, I was like, that's Disney. They should yeah. have just said we're hosting at Disney. <laughs> um, do you feel like you balance those other aspects of your life fairly well with the running? I think so. I mean, it's definitely on the easier side of things to do just because like you can only run so many hours a day. Um, so finding the t- what to do to fill those hours in between is I think kind of where people get like bored or like stuck. But I think that's where like living somewhere you like really helps mm. out because yeah, like you can always like read books, watch TV. And I definitely do those. I definitely watch more TV than I read. Um, I hope to change that someday. <laughs> Don't but, Yeah. But like when the weather's super nice in New England, you can literally just like wander around mm. and like find something to do. What do you do? Like, what do you find interesting? Um, I just, I really enjoy just like looking at things. Like it sounds weird, but when we were, my boyfriend and I were in like Italy this summer, like we will spend so much time just like staring at a good building or like we were in Puerto Rico and it was like, look at that tree and like, just like stare at it. Like just take it in. I like, I would like to be that kind of person. (laughs) I'm the kind of person that, like, if I were to go to a museum or something like that, I would, like, stand there and act like I'm enjoying it and really absorbing it and taking it in because I want to be, like, a deep kind of person where I can do that. But really, I'm just like, okay, I see that picture. (laughs) Um, Is this, like, is this hard to be... I don't want to say peak. That's not the right word. But to be at this like level in your career with your boyfriend being so far away, like going to the Boston Marathon, going to the trials and knowing like he's not going to be here. Yeah, it's definitely like not ideal. It would be really cool if like he was able to like be there for those moments. But it's all right. You know, he's like as supportive as he could possibly be from afar, which is great. Like I know he's in my corner and he's always, you know, on the phone before and after like every race. So like he's still very, very supportive and him being over there, like it's, you know, kind of a far trip, but it does give me a great reason to take a European vacation every time I have a big race. Heck yeah. Um, all right. So you mentioned you like to watch TV, you're reading books. Tell us what you're watching. Tell us what you're reading. Tell us what you're listening to, any music or podcasts. So we'll start with TV. Okay. Um, well, TV, the new season of The Voice just came back. Okay. Um, love The Voice. I've always loved it. It's Blake Shelton's last season. So, Aww. you know, you got to watch for that. And um, Chloe Abbott, like, Team USA, like, 400-meter sprinter. Oh. Yeah. She, like, trains with – I'm pretty sure she trains, like, Bobby Kersey's group. Literally got, like, picked on The Voice. She's on The Voice? She's on The Voice. Like, Chance the Rapper turned his chair. Like, she's officially on the show. I just, like, saw her episode yesterday. Like, that's so sick. Okay, like, way to be talented in everything you do. Literally. Like, perfection. (laughs) Um, So that was super cool. Like, a little crossover watching that. Fun. Um. I have not watched the most recent season of You. I will at some point because I, I love You. It's the one with um, the guy from Gossip Girl. Okay. Penn? Yes. Badgley? Okay. Yes. He's incredible. Oh, wait. Is this where he's like a stalker or something? Yes. Is he like kind of creepy? Okay. Is that scary though? No. I wouldn't okay. say so. Okay. It's it's definitely super creepy, but it's not like scary. 
scary. Okay. Were you into Gossip Girl? Yes. I got into it super late. Like, I only watched it, like, two or three years ago. Oh, but I watched wow. all of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was I, great. I watched it late, too, but, like, not that late. Right. <laughs> like, still, like, five or six years before okay. you. But, but, I mean, because it's, like, it's pretty old, but, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Um, Blair's the best, I think. She really is. (laughs) She's frustrating, but she's fantastic. Yeah. Um, Okay. Anything else? Um, Those are it for like what's on my watch list TV right now. Um, Books. I still need to finish All the Light We Cannot See. I need to read that book. I know. It's so good, but like it's so sad. Yeah. So I like keep putting it down because I just like don't want to be sad. Yeah. But like I need to finish it. Yep. Um. So that's probably like second on my list, and then first I caved and like really wanted to know what everyone was talking about with like Colleen Hoover. Oh yeah, yeah. So I'm like halfway through. It ends with us. Okay. Yeah. What do you think? I think it's super fun. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's not, like, crazy, but it's definitely, like, a very fun read. Yeah. I've read three or four of hers. It's funny, though. Her Instagram, if you go to it, says um, something like, yeah, I don't understand it either. Oh, that's funny. (laughs) Yeah. Because it's, like, I think everybody kind of will agree, like, she's not, like, the most prolific writer or anything like that, but the stories are just so catchy that it's, like, easy. Yes. And, like, sometimes you just want an easy read. Totally. Yeah. I've read that it ends with us. And then there's the, I think it's called It Starts With Us, maybe. Is, like, the second one? Yeah. I don't know if that one was, I was supposed to read that one first. I forget. Um, And then Verity. I feel like Verity. I've heard Verity was, like, her, like, number one. Yeah. It's it's weird. But, again, (laughs) if you like it, if you like It Ends With Us or whatever, whichever one you're reading, like, you'll, like, I'm sure you'll like it. Good to know. Um, and I feel the same way about sad books. Like I, I know I want to read them, like, especially Mm -hmm. if they're like good books. Right. But to get emotionally there is tough sometimes. Yeah. You don't want to do that. Like right before bed. No. (laughs) That's why we watch like Seinfeld or The Voice. Yeah. Like a feel good thing. Um, what about music? Like, do you, are you a music person? I am, but, like, not in the way where it's, like, oh, I love, like, discovering new artists and, like, put a ton of, like, thought into it. Like, I do enjoy listening to music, but I'm not picky about it at all. Like, I will literally just turn on Spotify and go to, you know, like, Global Top 100 or, like, your Discover Weekly or here's, like, 20 songs we think you may or may not like. And I could not tell you what they are, but (laughs) I let them play and enjoy them. I think you, I think when you were first on the podcast, did you recommend the, maybe you should talk to someone book? Yes. Okay. So interesting. I like when you were, when you suggested that, I think a couple people have suggested, but I specifically remember you. Um, I remember being like, I don't want to read that because I know I need to talk to somebody, but I don't want right. to deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> and I've since that I've started. So now that I'm like, the action has been taken. I yeah. do think I can go back and read the book now. Good. It's a good book. It's a very fun read. Like, even though there's, like, some, like, heavy stuff in it, like, I think the author does a really good job of, like, also bringing some humor to it. Okay, good. Um, All right, well, I wrap up with these two questions, which you've done before, but it's been a couple years, so I wonder if your answer has changed. Is there who's someone fun, motivating, or inspiring you'd like to have coffee, tea, or cocktail with? Oh, 
Okay. I forget who you said the first time. I have no idea who I said the first time. I don't remember either. With someone fun or motivating, I would probably say maybe like a maybe like a Naomi Osaka. Mm, I think I love that. she would be a really interesting person to like grab a coffee with because like she's obviously like done so well and like been to the highest level of her sport but she's also like had some very like public lows and I think she like navigated it pretty well but I think she would be a great person to talk to love it okay what's your last message to leave with the audience Uh, my last message would probably be that even though I am very excited to join that like small percent of human beings who have finished a marathon, you do not need to run a marathon to consider yourself a runner. Amen. I love it. <laughs> That's so good. Thank you, Erica. Thank you. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you, Erica, for coming on the show. Always love catching up with you. Don't forget to follow Erica. I am tiny R-I-K on Instagram. You can find me. I'm lindsayhine626 on Instagram, at lindsayhine on Twitter, and we have a Facebook group. I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Hine. I would love to connect with you there as well. Thanks for being here, and we will see you next week on All Have Another.